Oh, good morning, church. Uh, what a joy it is to be home. Uh, this is always going to be home. You know, we've lived in Chattanooga for over 20 years now, and it's what our children call home, but to me, uh, Lewis Memorial is always going to be home. Um, came to know Christ across the street in the old building, uh, got baptized over there in the old building. As pastor said, we got married right here, uh, called to ministry here, ordained uh, right here. And so this place is always going to hold a special place in our heart. This place is always going to be home. Um, and we're so thankful for you, our church family. Uh, I see a lot of faces I know and recognize. It's always great to see friends. And I see a lot of new faces, which is super encouraging and exciting to know that God is building and adding to the church here at Lewis. And I'm just so thankful uh, for what you guys are doing to stand behind us, to stand behind the cause of global missions. Uh, this is a church that ever since I came to know uh, Lewis Memorial, I started attending here in 1986. Um, as, as my 13-year-old would say, Dad, you, are you talking about in the 1900s? Yes, I'm, I'm talking about in the 1900s, uh, I started attending Lewis, and, uh, you know, missions conference, mission celebration was always something we looked forward to, you know, the, the flags would go up, the missionaries would come in. I think back in the day, it was probably uh, one of the older guys with the, the slides, you know, click, and the thing would rotate next, and click, you know, but hearing those stories and seeing what God was doing around the world always just captivated my heart and excited me and encouraged me. And this is a place that when I was young, um, I got exposed to missions. Um, I grew up with, you know, the Newberries and Steve Hatcher and Aaron Carr uh, encouraging us. And, and Aaron took us on our first mission trip. Um, I went to Canada in 1995 through Lewis. Um, got to go to Barbados and Puerto Rico in 97. Um, and then in 99, Gary Hale said, you know, we could probably take some people to Dominican Republic in the Caribbean and play basketball. And I said, here am I, Lord, send me. Um, I'm ready for that. And really, that was, for me, a light bulb moment um, when God just showed me he was using normal, everyday people like me. You see, I grew up right here. Uh, I'm a public school kid. I went to Cabell Midland. I was going to Marshall. And for some reason, it never quite clicked in my brain that the missionaries that came in and Pastor Lemming and these guys, I had put at a different level and said, well, I guess that's who does evangelism. I guess that's who tells people about Jesus. And honestly, we were on this basketball mission trip and we're just playing hoops. And at halftime, we would share the gospel and people were coming to Christ. And it was like, what, what's happening here? Like God is using us? I mean, just normal, everyday people that are committed to share the gospel and tell others about what Jesus has already done. And so for me, that has led into a lifetime of career missions, 20-some um, years now, 40-plus um, countries around the world, and just uh, a journey of faith, following God every step of the way. And it's been so exciting. I never know what the next chapter is going to look like. I never know what God is going to place on our heart to do. Um, about 18 months ago, God really started burdening my heart about unreached people groups. And I've spent most of my life in the Caribbean and South America and Central America, and I know Latin culture pretty well, and I know a little bit of Spanish, so at least I can ask for some food or where the bathroom is. And God began to burden my heart for unreached people groups, and so now 
I'm looking at the other side of the world, the, the area we call the 1040 window, right? And God is just impressing upon my heart to somehow get involved, to take the gospel to some people in an unreached area. And through, you know, the way God does it, um, he introduces me through a friend to a couple that's up in Ohio. Um, I think I saw him here this morning. And uh, I got to meet uh, this family. And they said, Trey, we've been doing a work in Indonesia. There is a huge need there. Um, we would love for you to come and see what God is doing in Indonesia and to be able to help us share the gospel and encourage the nationals who are doing this work. Um, and I said, let me pray about it. And man, we talked about it. We prayed about it. We thought a trip was going to happen last fall. Things changed. It didn't happen. Come around to this spring, and man, God has just clearly told me, Trey, it's, it's time to do this. Let's go. And so, you know, I'm a guy who every day of my life, I'm essentially fundraising, you know, and doing those things. And Man, when I start looking up on Delta.com how much that flight is over there to Jakarta, Indonesia, I'm like, whoo, okay, let's, some more fundraising, let's go. And um, I emailed three churches, and I said, hey, God's laid this on my heart. If you want to pray about helping in some way, would love for you to do that. One of the three, obviously, was Lewis. I emailed Pastor. I hear back in a matter of days, hey, Trey, we talked about it, we prayed about it, we're sending a check for the full amount of everything you need to go to Indonesia. I cannot tell you, um, number one, how thankful and how exciting that is, but just also um, for a missionary to get that confirmation from God of, I called you to do this and I've got it, right? Like I'm taking care of it. It's not on me. God told me to do it and I'm just trying to live out that obedience. And so when that email comes, I'm, I'm emotional right now just thinking, man, that's, that's a huge thing in our life um, that brings stress and just worry, you know, when we're trying to do those kind of things. And, and God brings that and just says, you know what, let's go. Um, so this morning, I'm going to walk you through um, some slides of my experience in Indonesia. And I hope that that'll connect to your heart about this is just one pocket of the world. This is just one small place of what God is doing around the world in global missions, but I want it to connect to you that when you come in a room like this, these flags don't just represent places that we thought were cool and we thought the flag was pretty. These are missionaries that Lewis has said, we will stand on your behalf. We will be here for you. We will partner with you. We will encourage you. We will pray for you. We will give for you. And we are excited about what God is doing in your life. And so I launched out into the unknown, going to, to Indonesia. Uh, if you're not familiar where it is, um, I think the first slide is maybe just a map to show you where in the world is Indonesia. So it's kind of between um, Asia and Australia. It's out there. It's hundreds of islands. Um, you can see um, when the map pops up, the, the total population is like 270-some million people. Um, and we were in the capital city of Jakarta, which I think was 11 million, yeah, over 11 million people there, where the little arrow is, in the capital city of Jakarta. Um, people upon people upon people. And if you don't know the context, most of that area of the world is Muslim. There's Islam there, there's Buddhism, there's Muslim. And this is um, one of the largest Muslim populations in the world lives in Indonesia. And so, you know, most of the people there 
are following that, and that's their religion, that's all they've known, that's what they've grown up in, that's what their parents were, their grandparents, and so you're born into a Muslim culture there. And so just walking in as an outsider, obviously I'm different, I'm pretty pale, um, you know, I, I'm recognized pretty easily, um, but then, you know, my faith as a follower of Jesus Christ also instantly different um, than most of the people there, the cultural context. Um, but one thing that was familiar was they said, hey, Trey, sports and specifically basketball could be a great open door for the gospel. So could you come and help and we'll do a basketball clinic and Muslim kids will come because they love basketball and they want to hear from an American and we can talk about Jesus. And so there's a slide of me with some basketball coaches. Um, we put on a special one-day clinic. These guys do basketball ministry all the time. Um, the guy that's to the right there um, in the white shirt without the whistle, uh, he was with me a lot throughout the trip. He's an amazing guy. His name is Christian. And Christian is an ex-pro basketball player in Indonesia. He's a follower of Jesus. And he runs this academy. And so most Saturdays they train and he puts Christian values and principles into the training with these kids. And uh, so these coaches said, hey, we'll put on a special event, we'll promote it, and we'll have a bunch of kids turn out, and then you can talk and share at the end. And so the next slide you'll see, um, I think there was about 60 kids in attendance that day. And, uh, you know, they just let me share and talk about my faith, talk about Jesus. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, you can see even one of the coaches, the far right coach there, is wearing a hijab. So, I mean, obviously, clearly Muslim. A lot of kids, you know, in the group, you could tell that. I was giving away prizes at the end. I had brought over some, you know, American candies. And so I asked my 13-year-old, what would be awesome? What should I take? You know, oh, Sour Patch Kids or whatever, you know. So Carson is telling me what to take. And one of the kids that had a great attitude that day and won one of the prizes, I handed it to him. And he said, Mr., is this halal? Is this like basically kosher for me to eat? And I said, you know what? I don't know. You'll have to ask your parents about that. Um, but just basketball was a platform that opened the door for the gospel, right? And I say that to encourage you that around the world in missions, there are platforms, there are open doors that you can take your knowledge, your skill set, whatever you know, God can use that in ministry around the world. The next slide, um, I'm going to show you this slum area that we got to do ministry in. And this is kind of like, imagine, like, I guess, I-64, an interstate-type system. And then underneath that, um, where you would think it looks like a pile of garbage or trash, there is hundreds and hundreds of families living in that area. So that, that pile of garbage is the entrance into a neighborhood where hundreds and hundreds of families are living. And we met one guy who is called to do ministry there. His name is Jeffrey, like Jeffrey. Um, amazing man of God, pouring his life into these people. And he said, Trey, if you guys come, we'll go into some of the homes. We'll pray with the families. We'll get to meet them. We'll get to spend time with them. So I'm going to show you a couple of the families we met. This next slide is in the home of one of the believers. So the lady um, that's here on the left in the red. As a follower of Jesus, we got to go into her home and just spend time with her, just talk and just pray and encourage her. And she is going through some things in life, some deep, some heavy things, not to mention that she's an outcast from society because she's a follower of Jesus Christ. The people in this area, most of them who are believers are women. 
They don't go around pronouncing that. Most of them can't even tell their husband that they're a follower of Jesus Christ because they'll be outcasts and shunned by society. You can see the living conditions. I mean, they are finding literally whatever they can, a piece of scrap wood, a piece of scrap metal, and putting together a house. You can see the essentials in the background, though, right? I think she's got like a rice cooker and a fan and some, some water. That's, you know, she's got the essentials, so she's good to go. Um, but what a sweet time just praying with her. And then this next slide, we met a couple who are still Muslim, but they were very open and let us share with them. We talked with them. They're, the man's name is Yanto and the lady's name was Yanti. So Yanto and Yanti, I would ask that you put them on your prayer list. Um, they said, we are not quite ready yet to make a decision to follow Christ. But we talked with them. We prayed with them. We had a sweet time. So the couple right there in the middle. Um, and this is Helen and Dave and the kids. They're back here. I hope you get to see them um, today. Um, but such a sweet time of praying with a family. And they're on the verge of accepting Christ. But they're not quite there yet. And you know how hard that is for a missionary, probably for you too, to have that conversation and to say, I came here. I came around the world I have the message of hope. I have truth. I have eternal life. Jesus has already done it. He's paid the price. All you have to do is accept this free gift. And they said, we're just not quite there yet. We're almost there. We're listening. We're talking. But we're not quite there yet. I ask that you would continue to pray for this couple. Um, the next uh, slide is the Sunday morning church. Uh, it was so exciting. I got to speak in two different churches on Sunday morning. Um, this one was so cool because um, we went into a seafood restaurant and then we went up a couple of stories and there was um, the church and essentially this restaurant has allowed them to use space on Sunday mornings and uh, a gathering of, I don't know, 30 believers or so uh, that have church there every Sunday and man, the worship was incredible. I have no idea what they were saying. Um, but you could tell, right, just in the spirit, in their heart, the worship was incredible. Um, I got to share the word and encourage them and just spend time with them. And, man, we spent time afterwards. Uh, they all wanted to take pictures with the white guy who had come from America, you know. So it was a lot of fun. But just such a sweet time of just brothers and sisters in Christ worshiping. Uh, and then Sunday night, this next slide is Sunday night. This was house church. Um, you might have heard a word like secret church, like David Platt would use that word secret church, right? So this is the, the believers from the slum area. They come out and they have house church together. Um, so the guy, you can barely see Jeffrey there on the far right. Um, he's leading them and encouraging them. So you see a lot of women, you see a few, a few men there. Um, and so Sunday nights, Jeffrey rents this house so that they can safely come out of the slum area and have a place to worship together so that they don't have to be fearful of who's around or Muslim people. Um, and just what an exciting time, man, just to, to spend time with them and to hear them pray and worship. We got at the end, we got in small groups and prayed with them. Um, I was able to share a little bit of an encouraging message with them. Uh, it was unbelievable the time we got to have there in that house church on Sunday night. Uh, the next one is at a university. Um, just, again, an incredible a door opened. Um, uh, Helen and one of her friends that does Bible translation got to share in a classroom setting about Bible translation. 
And then they let myself and Christian go outside and do a, a class on like basically like gym class or physical education. Um, but I got some minutes in the classroom first and I got to talk about sports evangelism and I got to share the gospel um, and just talk through that. And again, this was um, in name, this is a Christian university, but when we got out there onto the basketball court and I began to talk with these people, uh, many of these students had no concept really of who Jesus was. They did not have a personal relationship. Uh, that's the same in Huntington, in Chattanooga, around the world. You could go to a Christian school. That doesn't mean you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and so just the chance, again, to pour into some young people, to share the gospel, to encourage them, just to love on them, um, just to be there um, and spend time with them. I think the next slide is from uh, seminary. And so, man, what a cool thing to be in a Muslim country, halfway around the world in a 1040 window, and just see that God is at work in a small seminary class, got to spend time with them, pray, encourage them. We did Q&A time. We talked. Uh, Indonesia is the most gift-giving culture I have ever been to. I felt terrible everywhere I went because by like day three, I had run out of gifts to give. As you can see, uh, Dave and myself, I'm holding bags there. Everywhere we went, they were so friendly, so hospitable. They gave gifts every time. Um, so encouraging to be there with them and just to know that God has called these, you know, mostly adults there um, to go through this seminary, to learn more about Christ, to be able to share their faith, to share the gospel um, was so, so encouraging. I want to walk you through, this is now, I'm going to transition to giving you, because we are family and this is home, I'm going to give you a little bit of a behind the curtain look at some of the things that were challenging for me as a guy who hasn't been to Asia a lot, doesn't speak the language, doesn't know the culture. Um, and I think this will give you a little bit of context as we pray for missionaries, as we see these flags on the wall, and maybe we don't know the culture or the things that go on in those countries. I want to give you just an honest look at some of the experiences so that you'll recognize when I say pray for missionaries, a lot of times it's because they're just in a context, they're in a culture where things are new, things are different, they're not the same as we would have here. Um, and so you're relearning things and you're trying to fit in. So this first one is probably my favorite dish from the week. Um, this is uh, beef with like a curry sauce over it and I love it. I would eat it every day, it was amazing. The potato chips, there's orange stuff on them. I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> It was, you know, when you, know, you get those Cheetos curls, um, it was as if somebody took those and shaved them and put them on potato chips. I don't know what it was. It was great. I would eat it all the time. Um, so an introduction into flavors and smells that are very different than what I'm used to, right? I mean, just not the things I would pick up and eat here in the States. The next one um, was, was a like buffet place we went to. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of longtime Huntington people in the crowd. When I was a little kid, we used to go downtown before there was like Pullman Square and all that. And we used to go to Bailey's Cafeteria. Does anybody here remember Bailey's Cafeteria? Yeah, that's all the people from the 1900s raising their hand there. Um, my grandparents would take me down there and you would walk down this line and you could pick out whatever you wanted. And like as a six-year-old, seven-year-old kid, this was the greatest day ever. You know, I get to pick out what I want and I get down to that dessert area and be like, maybe two, you know, maybe take a couple of those. So we went to a restaurant and they laid out all these different dishes. Um, and essentially you got to pick what you wanted. And if you took a bite from the plate, now you're paying for that plate. Okay. But if you didn't take a bite from the plate, you're not paying for it. 
Here's what I would say as a person who loves flavor and spice, everything there you could get as hot as you want. So like if you like hot and spicy, it is available, right? So like this, this egg that's down here, the bottom right corner is, a, is like a boiled egg and it is just coated in chili sauce. I mean, just your mouth will be on fire. You'll be sweating. I was sweating. Um, so just a different flavor profile, right? Just different experience from what you may have had. And maybe you look at that and you say, oh, that looks like collard greens and fried chicken, or I've had all that stuff before. Okay, let's check the next slide. Let's see if you've had this before. Um, I, I would wager there's maybe less than three people in the room who have ever had this. Curried stingray. Really cool. You're in an island country. There's fresh fish and seafood available everywhere. And so they said, Trey, we want you to experience some of the things that we eat. I said, let's go. Um, so curried stingray, it was actually really good. I was scared. Listen, I'm a little bit scared too. Uh, to the missionaries, don't judge me for this, but I'm, I'm a guy who lives in the States and travels. So I'm different than you tough, brave people who live overseas. Any, anytime I go on a mission trip, I carry a jar of peanut butter with me, right? Just in case, just in case, just, you know. You never know what's going to happen. You might need that peanut butter. Um, but we got to have curried stingray, and I was like, wow, this is cool. This is, this is a neat experience. And then if you're a good boy and you eat all your dinner, you get dessert, right? So growing up here, my wife, Terry, she loved to go down on Route 60. Uh, again, I'm dating myself. There used to be a blockbuster video, and somewhere near that, there was a place called Snow Biz. Do you guys know what Snow Biz is? They had shaved ice, right? So if you like shaved ice and they say, hey, for dessert, we got shaved ice, you're all in. And then when it comes out and it's got beans in it, <laughs> shaved ice, stone cold beans. Again, two things I've had, beans and shaved ice, just never together, right? So it's not that it's bad. It's not that it's just different contextually than what we're used to. And so again, just in terms of when a missionary is called out and they go overseas and they're learning a new language and they're getting to know a culture and they're eating new foods and just rhythms of life are different. These are the things that missionaries are just saying, hey, life is a little bit tougher. It's not that like it's the end of the world and things just aren't ever going to go their way, but it's just, man, along with trying to do the ministry God's called me to do, I'm trying to make new friends. I'm trying to learn this new culture and this new context and things are just different. Here's one that's different when you're in a Muslim-majority country. This is a picture of my hotel room, um, and I don't know if you can see it really well, but up in the corner, there's a little black arrow. And so in every hotel room, the little black arrow is pointing to Mecca. And so again, we're in a, we're in a Muslim context, and so many times throughout the day, you're hearing this call to prayer. I don't know how they do it. There's an amplified speaker system throughout the city in every place you go. Even in the slum area, we were there at like 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock one night, and the call to prayer starts going off. And it's this um, moaning, wailing. Man, it's, you've, I feel the oppression of the enemy. When I hear that call to prayer, um, I feel the darkness in that area. And even being in the comfortable hotel room with air conditioning and stuff, you see that arrow, and it reminds you that you're in a different place. You're in a different context. You're in a different culture. Um, and if you don't remember that, sometimes you walk into a place, and the bathroom looks like this next slide. 
you instantly remember you're in a different culture in a different context, right? So most places had a Western toilet like what we're used to. Um, but there was a few places you walk in and if you're like me, I just stood there for a minute. Okay. Now there's, there's a hole in the ground and there's a bucket and I don't really know. I didn't have to go to the bathroom that bad anyway. It's fine. It's, it's not a problem, you know? <laughs> um, um, going, going somewhere that's not home can be hard. It, it can be difficult. And uh, I just want to give you that kind of behind-the-scenes peek this morning to remind you that uh, missionaries need your encouragement. They need a text to check in on them. They need an email. They need a prayer. They need financial support. They need that so that they can thrive in this area that's not home, that's new, that's different. And so I'm going to wrap up my slides by showing you some pictures of one of those rewarding moments. Probably for me, one of my favorite experiences on this trip. And every day was a highlight. I would go back tomorrow. If that's what God wanted me to do, I, honestly, I would go back tomorrow. I love it. Um, but we got invited to this school that was outside of the city, a couple of hours. Um, and traffic is horrible. Um, Pastor and Mary know about when you go to Atlanta, that's close to us. Traffic is horrible. This is unbelievably worse than even Atlanta. You can't imagine the traffic in Jakarta. Um, but we travel a couple of hours outside of the city. We go to this school that's kind of more in a rural place. Um, we meet the principal, and uh, the principal says, we've been praying for 20 years for a group to come from America to share here. 20 years. Unbelievable. So he's a follower of Jesus, and he set this school up in a context where it's essentially an all-faith or all-religion school. And so for him, he knows that that means that he'll hopefully have opportunities to introduce Christianity. To most people, that means, okay, well, it can be Muslim and it can be Buddhist. We can have Islam there as well. We can have Muslim people. Um, and that's the context of kind of how they probably perceive it. Um, but they said, Trey, you can come and speak in chapel and you can share the gospel. And so... Um, I'm going to tell you guys, I stood there for 45 minutes and I just clearly walked out the gospel. I talked about John 3.16 and I just laid out the gospel. Um, I took a selfie with the, with the crowd there so you can see. Uh, this was like the middle school and high school group. Um, and it was unbelievable, just unbelievable what God is doing there. Um, and I got to share the gospel with them. The next slide is just some faces from that school. I just want you to think about those. I want you to be praying for these kids. I, I shared the gospel. I led in a sinner's prayer, but we did not have them raise a hand. We did not have them come forward. Honest to God, I have no idea what happened that day. Only the Lord knows who might have received him, who heard the gospel, who that is seed is planted in their heart right now. The Holy Spirit's probably watering that, growing that seed in many of them, um, but I don't know. So I would ask you to pray for these students um, that they would come to know Christ in a realistic way. Um, I want to show you this. One of the slides that was in the university was this, the languages that are in Indonesia. There's 726 languages being spoken in Indonesia. That bottom number on the left is how many have a complete Bible. 33 have Old Testament and New Testament out of 726. And then look at this number on this side. 289 don't even have a single verse in their heart language. They cannot pick up the Word of God 
and read a single verse. They can't read John 3.16. They can't read the Romans road. They don't know the truth. They don't know that Jesus died for them. There is a work around the world that needs to be done. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to read a couple of just different verses for you guys this morning. I'm going to skip ahead. Sorry, guys, with the slides. I'm going to jump, and I want to read you guys a couple of verses. If you would, open with me to Colossians 1. I want you to see here. This is, I'm a very practical um, guy. And when I ask you to pray for missionaries, some of you sitting there today might say, you know what, Trey, I would love to. I really don't even know where to begin. I don't know what to do with that. Paul lays it out so beautifully in Colossians. Um, If you guys with the slides would help me jump ahead to verse 9. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. Look at this. Paul laying out exactly the words of how you today can pray for missionaries, for other believers. You literally can come to this passage and you can pray it word for word for the missionaries. You pick up that pamphlet the pastor was talking about. You see the faces of those missionaries. You call them out by name. You can pray this passage. Colossians 1 verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of the steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And I just jotted down just a couple of notes for me as I read through that, what I see Paul saying. You guys have been going through this series of Dear Paul. This is a continuation of what Paul is showing to the church, how they can pray for other believers, how you can pray for missionaries. I love in verse 9, he says, you can pray for them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. In verse 10, he says, you can pray that they would walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, that they would please him. In verse 10, he says, pray that they would bear fruit in every good work, that what they're doing, their effort would bear fruit. In verse 10, he says, pray for them to increase in their knowledge of God. In verse 11, he says, pray for endurance and patience. And in verse 12, he says, pray for a thankful heart of gratitude. Man, I love prayer warriors. I love, there's many people in this church that have stood behind me for years and years and prayed for me and my family, and I know you pray for the missionaries. Honestly, I used to, when I'd get with Clyde Doby, you guys remember Mr. Doby? I would sometimes peek and see if Jesus wasn't standing right there. Clyde would just, man, he would talk to Jesus like he was in the room. I love it. It's so encouraging to a missionary to know that you pray for them. The second thing that I want to just mention to you this morning is about giving, the way that you can stand behind missionaries and give. If you will, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. I, again, just want to briefly read through a passage just to remind you um, about what God says. And again, this is the words of Paul. I love Paul. He's so, um, so good for our heart. He lays it out in such a way of, of what we need. Look at verse uh, 2 Corinthians 9. Again, you know this passage. You're like, Trey, every time we come to a missions conference, we hear this, we know about it. This is where you ask for money. This is where I just read the words of Paul, and Paul lays it out. And I want to encourage you. Um, Look at verse 10. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. I'm going to read a few verses right here. This is Paul speaking to us as believers. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. I love this thought. And as I was reading and studying, um, I stole a couple of words from um, pastor years ago had uh, John Phillips come and speak here. I don't know if y'all remember John Phillips and he had his books for sale. I, my dad bought a bunch of those for me. Um, and so I'm reading through his. He, he had three points that he used when he outlined this sermon. And I'm just going to use his. I'm giving credit. I stole it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but in verse 10, here's, he said, God meets our needs. God meets our needs. Look at that again. Now he who supplies, God supplies to us the seed to the sower and bread for food. He's giving you everything you need. He's giving you bread for food. He's taking care of you. And he's giving you seed that you can sow. I love that he says this. It will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. The thought here is that God meets our needs and he gives us beyond what we need so that we can multiply it for more sowing, for more generosity. Now, I understand we live in a context, a culture of... 2023, when most people say, hey, I like it. Let's keep getting it. Let's grow it. I want to put it in my pocket. I want my bank account to grow. God's word, that's not what it says. It says when God gives us this seed for sowing and multiplying, it's to bless others. It's to be generous with. Look at verse 11. He says, you'll be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. I love that. John Phillips says, number two, God multiplies our resources. Number one, he meets our needs. Number two, he multiplies our resources. He enriches us. Um, I love the principle there that just, again, not, not the prosperity gospel of what you might see on some TV preachers, that if you give, God's going to bless you back and give to you. That's kind of part of the story. But the story is, if you're generously giving God will continue to supply for you to be able to give generously, not for you to consume upon yourself. So God meets our needs. God multiplies our resources. And then lastly, God magnifies the results. Look at verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. The overflowing thanksgivings of people in the church, of people on the other end, people this morning that are meeting in Santo Domingo and San Pedro and La Vega and places throughout the Dominican Republic because missionaries traveled, took the gospel, shared that. They're making disciples, and these people are going in their faith. They give thanks to our God because someone brought the gospel and cared for them. And church, that's the challenge for us today, and I consider myself a part of this church um, as, as mission celebration comes and as we hang flags on the walls, those flags represent what God is calling you to do as a member of this church. There's a story of a missionary, um, and his name is William Carey. Late 1700s, he's called from England to go to India. And he's with one of his best friends that's grown up with him. His friend is now the, the director of like Daystar back in the day. It had a huge long name. Uh, I, I don't remember the name. It's like Propagation for the Gospel Among the Heathen Society. Um, but they're, they're basically, they've started a mission board. His friend, Andrew Fuller, is with him. And William Carey basically says, listen, God is calling me 
into a place that's like a deep, dark mine, and I'm willing to go, but I need you guys at home to hold the rope. I need you people here to hold the rope for me. I'm going to try something this morning. My friend Paul, he's the king of visual illustrations. I asked him to help me out. I've got a rope here this morning. I don't know how this is going to go. We did not uh, rehearse this, but I want Paul to just walk back the aisle and hold this rope just to give a visual. Um, I want you guys to think about what I shared with you this morning, two main concepts of prayer and of giving. Those are the two hands that I'm asking you to hold on to this rope with. When this church hangs a flag on the wall and they commit to partner with a missionary, this building, this physical shell cannot pray for missionaries. This place that we're standing right now is made up of the church, you, me, sitting here today. We are the church. And when Lewis Memorial as a church says we commit to partner with these missionaries around the world, the 78 or 80 that are in that pamphlet, we're saying that we will stand behind. And that's good, Paul. That's great. The thought is that, that with one hand you say, I will hold on to that rope and I commit to praying for these missionaries. And with the other hand, you commit that I'm willing to give. This church does an amazing thing with faith promise where they commit to standing behind missionaries and giving. You guys have stood behind me for 22 years and given every month, literally every month for 22 years, you guys have done that. But again, that's not, pastor can't just write checks without the church, you guys standing behind that. I want to encourage you today as you think about 200 some years ago when William Carey said, I'll leave England, the comforts of home, and I'll go to India, but I need someone at home to hold that rope. Church, I'm asking you today, will you commit to holding that rope? Your partners, your missionaries around the world are living in contexts and cultures where it's different, it's uncomfortable, they're, they're not at home. And to know that someone has a lifeline back at home that says, I'm committed to praying, I'm committed to giving, it gives us that comfort. Listen, Paul and I were both big boys, but when I look at the other end of that line and I know Paul's got it, I feel safe, I feel secure, I can go and do what God's called me to do. Church, I'm asking you today, would you commit to holding that rope and never, ever letting go?